In today's episode of Bill and Frank's Guild Free Pleasures, we wade through an exhausting amount of material from a frankly exhausting band. Bill and I try to make our peace with a complicated band with a complicated history. And an unexpected inspiration takes us down a yellow brick road. So grab your coats and hats because we're going to take you for a walk in the cold November rain by Guns N' Roses on Bill and Frank's Guilt-Free Pleasures. Well, the time has come. We kind of resisted this song, but being a few years in, building our own confidence, maybe even getting past our own sort of judgmentalness. Is that a word, Frank? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Judgmentality? Judgmentalosity? I think it's judginess. I think judginess, yeah. Our good friend Rick sent a text and said, what do you think of this? And he sent a link to November Rain. Yeah. And it works out really nicely because it's November. So we really had no choice but to record this now. Yeah. We got to go theme. Sometimes I need some time all alone. Everybody needs some time on your own. Don't you know you need some time all I remember listening to it on a drive. I had to pick a long drive because the song's so long. And I was amazed at how much I enjoyed it. And I was, you know, a dedicated Guns N' Roses, not liker. We didn't hate back then. Yeah, We no. just didn't like things. And I, they're a dangerous band. I didn't want to associate myself with that stuff. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll talk about this a bit later, but I had a, a bit of a complicated relationship with Guns N' Roses growing up. Right. Okay. Over well, this is going to be exciting. So we've looked past all that. We recognize a great song and we are going to celebrate it today. And in order to do this, we needed to bring in the man who brought forth this song to the table. Welcome back to the podcast, Rick. Thanks for having me yet again. So why November rain? That's my question. And you can say it's because it's November too. That's a completely viable answer. (laughs) That could be part of it. Actually, like when it came down to this, I think Bill can attest, it was uh, down to two songs. It was November Rain and Don't Cry. And November Rain just seemed like the more natural fit, I guess. But I don't know. They were songs that just evoked emotion, even way back when they first came out in 91. Like how old were we back then? And we were impressionable teenagers who shouldn't have felt emotions as men. I felt nothing but emotions as a teenager. (laughs) All right. True enough. True enough. Well, this is the amazing thing about the song is that this was such a wicked band. And by wicked, I mean dangerous. World's most dangerous band as they were labeled at one point. Right. And of course, now that we look back as time reveals tragic comedy (laughs) to, to their sort of lives. And when this song came out, it didn't seem to fit the band that was so scary and dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. And okay, we're going to jump into my quote unquote complicated relationship with this song and this band. 
when this song came out, so it was released in February of 92. So 14 years old. And I remember I'm in high school and the popular girls were talking and they were never talking to me. I was just eavesdropping or I could hear conversations happening or, you know, you're on that periphery of the, of the group, just like oh, someone just noticed me. Like, why can't I be popular? Well, it's because you're in that locker. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and and through the muffles of, uh, you know, the sound coming through the locker, I could actually hear some of the conversations. And everyone talked about this song, about how moving and emotional and quote unquote romantic it was. I really don't think they read the lyrics or understood the lyrics or the actual meaning of the song at all. And in my head is just like, these people... They don't know what romance is. They don't know what emotional songs are. Luther Vandross is emotional and romantic. Boys to Men, Michael Bolton. These are the musicians that they should be listening to. And that is the reason why I was very unpopular in high school. It all came back around. Yeah. There it is. I remember when it came out, I just thought the band was bad and it was Don't Go Near Them. And that's all I knew. And I knew the watching the video because that's how we consume things before i even heard the song on the radio i saw the video and the video had all these sort of elements like it was like it was like watching a blockbuster yeah but it was also really unsettling all the death imagery that happens in the video and and we'll get into that later as well i'm sure so in my head it was not possible to like this song or yeah. the band just for my brand the bill hauser brand was not gonna let guns and roses in yeah but i let go of that but they were very polarizing back at that time you got to remember right like you either loved them or hated them there was really no middle ground with guns and roses back yeah. in the 90s yeah yeah well and they had obviously their sort of checkered history and all the drama that surrounds the band and everything and and we can talk a little bit yeah. about that as when we go through the band history and oh everything. for sure and I mean, and just, uh, I think it'll come up too, but I'm going to note it now, that when this song is ascending, I think about this time, Smells Like Teen Spirit has dropped as well. And so you have this moment of a crossover, an eclipse, if you will, a total eclipse of a musical heart. Which also caused a little <laughs> bit of drama between Guns N' Roses and Nirvana. Yeah, lots of drama, which we'll, I guess we'll get to too. But yeah. so to quote Slash, who actually said this, more than once, which I love, said, when you listen to this, it's the sound of a band breaking up. Yeah. And then when he talked about Sympathy for the Devil, which was recorded like a few years later, he goes, when you listen to this, it's the sound of a band breaking up. Like, all right, Slash. <laughs> That's the longest breakup ever. <laughs> right. The long goodbye. So this song apparently is the sound of a band breaking up, but it's also a song that has existed pretty much Around the time the band began, I think. The song has actually exist. predates, predates Guns N' Roses. Band. So it was already there. So let's talk about the history of the band anyways. Right. Okay, Rick, I knew you in high school, and I know <laughs> you now. I don't know why I went past tense, but... Um, True enough. When I knew you in high school, you were one of those guys who were into Guns N' Roses. I was and into pretty that, much everything, actually. Yeah, but that's what thing, made you dangerous. I was dangerous, just like them. Because I assume you'll be able to give us a little bit of the history. A little bit. Uh, I think I can probably give you too much, which is, is kind of too bad. But anyways, so yeah, I guess the original incarnation of Guns N' Roses started in 1985, and it was a mashup. Had two bands, LA Guns and Hollywood Rose. Hollywood Rose was the original, I guess, Axl Rose band, but it formed in 1983, 
when Chris Weber or Chris Weber, I'm not sure which pronunciation he goes by. The basketball player. Famous for the timeout. Yes. Uh, He was a guitarist and uh, he expressed interest in forming a band to his friend Tracy Guns, who was at that time obviously involved in L.A. Guns, which was the other big Wait a second. This... I'm getting ahead of myself. That's how they came up with Guns N' Roses? Oh, there's a possibility. Uh, Where's Tracy Gunn now? Oh, wait. Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself here. Go ahead, Rick. Uh, So, Tracy Gunn's introduced this uh, Weber guy or Weber guy to Izzy Stradlin, who happened to be a childhood friend of Axl Rose. They grew up in Indiana together, moved out to LA together. Two of them began writing music together and then decided to recruit William Bruce Rose Jr., who at that time was going by the name Bill Rose. At the time, they uh, started a band that they called Axel. So that's kind of how this whole started. And Rose, I guess, was so invested in this band that Stradlin and and Weber were joking and said he should just change his name to Axel, which he did. So we had Axel Rose, Tommy Gunn. Tracy oh, Gunn. Tracy Gunn. Okay. It, Gunn's uh, plural, I right. think, right? He, he was in Rocky Five. Yeah. Gotcha. So band apparently played a few gigs under the name Axel, and then they changed the name to Rose, but then found out that there was a band already in New York called Rose, so then they changed their name to Hollywood Rose. During a show in 84, Weber hit him accidentally with his guitar. Rose left the stage, which would be a common occurrence through the Guns N' Roses days, and eventually fired Weber from the band, and he invited... Uh, Slash, who was in a different band at that time, to join. Izzy Stradlin, as a result of Weber's firing, decided to quit the band when Slash showed up to rehearse. Right. So Slash brought his friend, the drummer Johnny Crease. L.A. Guns was looking for a new vocalist. Izzy Stradlin, who was friends with Tracy Guns, suggested Axel. He went and joined L.A. Guns for a bit. All right. Then Hollywood Rose partially reunited for your New Year's celebration show. With Rose Stradlin coming with bassist Steve Darrow, Weber had already moved to New York City, so Tracy Guns replaced him for the guitar parts and brought along his drummer from LA Guns, Rob Gardner. And shortly after this show, the two bands actually decided to combine and name themselves Guns N' Roses for reasons I can't understand. It seems like it came so, out of nowhere. So now we have 18 members of this band. Yeah, about I catch. That. Okay, yeah. so now <laughs> how, what happens to Tracy Gunn? The get me to Tracy. I want to know what happened to the guns. Well, Tracy Guns, first, I thought it was funny. He said that the band only formed because Axel apparently got into an argument with the LA Guns manager, who then fired Axel from the band. Right. But all these guys were living together as roommates, which made it awkward. Yeah. So at that point, he said the same night that Axel got fired, the bands decided to join, form Guns N' Roses. So the initial lineup was Axel Rose, Izzy Stradlin, Tracy Guns, Rob Gardner, and again, another name I'm going to butcher, I'm sure, Old Bike. O-L-E is the first name and B-E-I-C-H. So if if you guys have a better guess. We'll go with so, Old Bike. We won't. Yeah. This is why it gets so complicated. Their okay. history is Where's so Slash? Is he not torn in the, apart. Where's Slash right now? Well, that's the thing. So after two rehearsals, Beitch was fired and Duff McKagan came in. Okay. They recorded their first rehearsal ever with McKagan. So the band planned to release an EP with a cover of Heartbreak Hotel. Excellent. Uh, So Tracy Guns, which you were curious about, he left the band after an argument with Rose. Name still stayed in the band. Yes. Name still stayed in the band. And the release plans just fell through for that EP. So Tracy Guns was then replaced by Slash. Okay, here we go. Okay. 
And Slash, I just found this out, is actually British. Yes. That surprised me. And his dad designed the album covers for like, was it like the Beatles albums or? Did he? Sorry, are you talking about David Bowie? No, is David Bowie, is that it? I don't know. <laughs> well, that was the rumor for a while, yeah, wasn't no, it? That I, Slash's I just, dad was David Bowie? Oh, well, I just know his dad designed things. His mom was like a, I don't know, she's a costume designer. I just read a Rolling Stone article from 88. He was a makeup artist, I believe, makeup and costume artist, designer. And, okay, yeah. for David Bowie. Yes. Yes. And then his dad was like a, well, I'm pretty sure design like, was like an artist or something. But anyway, either way, Slash wouldn't give his name on the interview from 88. Saul Hudson, in case anyone's wondering. Okay, there we go. Okay, so we got Slash. He's in. Yes. The band is has come together. Sort of. It, sort of. Okay. Well, they haven't, they haven't completed their journey yet, which is weird. And yeah. don't get me wrong. They yeah. changed members throughout sure. the band's well, history. Well, like they changed shirts. Right. But to get to the, uh, the first incarnation that we saw on Appetite... Right. Uh, we had Gardner, who was part of LA Guns at the time, who had joined up. But after Tracy Guns left, he said, forget it. He quit the band. So he was replaced by Steven Adler. That became, I guess, their first official version of the band that uh, signed ultimately to Geffen Records in 86. Okay. And so Appetite for Destruction is going to come out in 87? 1987. That's okay. right. Okay. It sells six million copies. Yeah. Yes. Does pretty well. Puts them on the map. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. And I thought this was a funny anecdote, was two weeks were spent on the basic track layout, a month of overdubs to add more layers to it and to correct some whatever, like mistunings or whatever. They said the drums were completed in six days, but Axl Rose's vocals on that entire album took an insane amount of time because he insisted on doing all the songs line by line, one line at a time could be recorded. I'm trying to like this guy. I really am. <laughs> I'm trying to this okay. You know, he's a kindred spirit because he's a ginger as well. Right? Okay. So yeah, I feel I like- And obviously yeah. a perfectionist. Well, much like myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Okay. All right. Well, line, oh my goodness. Okay. Listen, we got this line by line. Wait, what is this? Is this for Appetite for Destruction? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Sells 6 million copies. Yes. <laughs> so, comes out, does huge business. They come up with this. I'm just going to, I figure we, uh, there's just so much yeah. to talk about. But we, to streamline it, they're going to come up with another album. Not going to state it because there's insinuated swear words in there. We're not about that here, yeah, are we? the next album? Lies. Lies. That's right. Guns. Lies. Guns and Roses Lies, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And I looked at it, I'm like, oh, this doesn't feel like a real album. There's a couple acoustic tracks and some live things. And then we wait and wait. And then the double album, Use Your Illusions 1 and 2, well, come yeah. out. Bit of a misnomer, Please. though. It's not actually a double album. It was two separate releases. Yes, on the same day. On the same day. Yeah. Two totally different albums. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing alike. Nothing very, similar at all. Very different. Different themes going on. Yeah, yeah. All I can get of this band is just ego-driven. We brought this up earlier. Yeah, it's, it's a it's band just, just full of ego. Yeah, which makes for pretty fun listening. Yeah. But also such a total disaster. It's like a stick of dynamite, but five of them all lit, and you're waiting yeah. for to see which <laughs> one's going to explode. Okay, so we got Use Your Illusion 1 and 2. I remember when that comes out. I remember uh, hearing different tracks opening early. We saw Terminator 2. We know all about that. Mm -hmm. But this is all going to lead to that, I don't know, this this is way late in the singles, isn't it? Because we have 
You could be mine. Something else or Don't Cry comes in there, I think. And then there's yeah. a couple other releases. Is November Rain the third or fourth release? It's the third single. Yeah. Okay, so it was that right after Don't Cry, they're going to come up with this. Yeah. Wow. Two uh, two ballad. Well, it was Live it, Live and Let Die was the for uh, the last single before this one. Wait a second. Okay, let me get but, this. But that was a. It wasn't on the album, was it? Yeah, Live and yeah, Live yeah. And okay, yeah, 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 that's right. I don't yeah, know which one it was. It's one on. of the ninety songs. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay, wait. So we have wait. First, you could be mine is released. Yes. Then is because of Terminator Two. And is yeah. Don't Cry out next? No, Live and Let Die. Live it, and, let... and then November Rain. Before yeah. Don't Cry. Yes. Wait a second. Knocking this... on Heaven's Door comes after. Yeah. Don't Cry is later. Yeah. Isn't November Rain the second in the no. trilogy? Okay, it is in the video trilogy oh, that is, they make. This is in ridic- terms of the way the releases All came right. out and sales. Pause the podcast. This is ridiculous. I got to go look this up. Unpause. We're back. Okay. This band is really starting to drive me nuts. I know, Rick, you feel a passion for them. And I feel passion in a different sort of way. But uh, just Bill's coming in hot. I'm coming in hot here, but we're going to get there. You Could Be Mine is released from Use Your Illusion 2 earlier because it's on Terminator 2, June 1991. So that already doesn't make sense to me. Use Your Illusion 2 has the first single. First single. We don't know what's going to be on what because they yeah. haven't come out yet. Yeah. Then... We have User Illusion 1 has Don't Cry as its first single. Yes. The next single is Don't Cry, which is September 91, when they release both of those albums. Yes. Okay. And then we get Live and Let Die. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, Live In and Let Die is December, December of 91. Their yeah. Christmas song. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. And then two months later, we get November Rain. This is now the third single off User Illusion 1. one. So yeah. we get a one to three ratio going on here. Yeah. That comes out. Yeah. And it's not until May that the next single comes out, which is Knocking on Heaven's Door. May 11th, 92, yeah. And then they release a whole bunch of things from Usual Illusion 2, but they're done with Usual Illusion 1. Man, oh man. This band. Okay. Yeah. So we have, and, and I shouldn't mind, be angry about this. Two albums that both dropped on September 17th, yeah. 91. Yeah. But, simultaneously. But I think what throws everything for a loop is the first single off the second Use Your Illusion album. So that just, chronologically, that just throws everything in in a washing machine here. And you know what? I feel you could have called User Illusion 2, User Illusion 1, and you could have called User Illusion 1, User Illusion 2, and no one would know because <laughs> you probably would have cared. We don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's However. True. And don't cry on both of them. Right? It is. Two okay. different versions. Two what, different versions. What are we doing? Okay, we're doing, wait a second. We're doing no- November Rain today. Yeah. Yes. All right, let's stop ourselves Don't here. Cry has Bill too much story it. behind that one. There is well, a lot of so. story, but I know the story that we need to talk about here, and that story is November Rain, and that yes. takes us back to what year is it written? 1980? 1983. 83, well, the first at least that's version. the earliest Ver- that iteration. it's been recorded that they have... That Axel was working on it, but yeah, he was Tracy Gunn said it. Yeah, right, okay. he was working on it, playing the piano part for Tracy Guns, and it's like I just don't, I can't figure it out. I can't. It, it's it's going to be a, it's going to be a, a a hit. It's going to be a big song. Tracy Guns is like it already is. You just need to finish it, man. And <laughs> so, you know, the myth building. Ten years so later, he finishes it. I love to think that at all these shows that we're talking about in their Hey Geography, that there's about eight people at the back. Like, oh man, I wish these guys would get off so we can hear. <laughs> Whatever, some new wave band, but I know that's not the case. They're, Probably they're, it's L.A. L.A. is a they're, they're, it's a fighting town then apparently. Yeah. So 
86, they record some early demos. I know for sure because they released it on the 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 deluxe version of User Illusion. So they got up. So they had some demos yep. there. There was a yep. piano ten minute version piano. that was about ten minutes, That's and then the a, full song. It's got yeah. it's got all the parts there, just yeah. not as obviously fleshed out. Grand, yeah, and uh, an acoustic demo that was only about five minutes long, and it's missing that last part. And apparently, according to Slash. Yeah. He says the band recorded an 18-minute long yeah. version in 86 with Manny Charlton of Nazareth. And he said that was the year prior to them beginning their actual recording sessions for Appetite. All right, so this song exists. And even in Rolling Stone, because I read this article for this quote, and the article said so much about the band, where I'm like, ah, I hate this band. They <laughs> did so many things. They're so violent. Oh, they're yes. whipping things. They're kicking things. The way they act towards the crowd, the way they act towards others, just... Oh, it's so bad. Anyways, going to let that go for a moment. But the Rolling Stone reporter sounds so exhausted and says there's even this song called November Rain that Axel says, if I don't record this right, I'm going to quit. And that's yes. in 1988. So it's already <laughs> so written there before anyone's heard it. It hasn't even been recorded yeah. yet. Oh, man. Oh, my goodness. So anyways, <laughs> so there's different stories about whether or not he wanted on the album or he was told not to put it on or he decided not to because apparently Sweet Child of Mine's a ballad. I didn't yeah, know it was a no, ballad. I never thought I. of it as a ballad, no, but I read a, that too. Was it a slow yeah. dance song? No. No. I don't remember but dancing to this. It's not like no. a heavy hitting rock dancing. song either though. Like it kind of exists in that middle ground. But this one, super slow down. Yes. All right. So let's talk. This was the one, you know, Stairway to Heaven was the yeah. previous I want to slow dance with the girl to this one. This is the new one. Yeah, this You're, you got nine minutes of slow dancing. Yeah, or you know you could be like I got nine minutes of this. Like oh. depends on who you choose. Yeah, this this is the song though. This was for better or for worse our stairway to heaven. Yeah, mm-hmm. man, it's kind of a an indictment on our generation, isn't it? If the, if this is our stairway to heaven, well. Yeah, you know what? Uh, you know, absence. I was gonna say absence. That's not it. It's just time makes a heart grow fonder. Yeah. Or you look back <laughs> and you kind of like, well, that was a fun time. You don't actually see yourself leaning against the wall while everyone else is dancing to this. Yeah. Like, exactly. wow, I got nine minutes to just sit here and watch. Yeah. The girl I like dance with that bully. It's all right. Who's laughing now? Huh? <laughs> I can't. I'm trying to laugh, Frank. <laughs> I can't get it out. <laughs> the bully might be laughing he, at our jokes. Yeah, he's right there no at idea. the window. He's going to yeah. wedge one of us at yeah. the moment. <laughs> So, <laughs> I'm in that locker all over again. Yeah, there we are. Okay, so a little bit of trivia that I think everyone knows. Who is Axl Rose, the baddest man on the planet, looking towards when he writes this? Who is his inspiration? It's quite obvious, I think. Yeah, it's Michael Bolton. Elton John. Elton John. Isn't it? I didn't know this. Yeah. He inducted Elton John into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Just a f- like two years later, they actually played this together. At yeah, the, uh, at the '92 MTV yeah, video, music the video infamous. Or. Yeah, and so I the have... same one that he apparently fought Kurt Cobain backstage. Yeah, yeah. I have here just part of his speech at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He said, "For myself as well as others, no one has been there more for inspiration than Elton John." Also, when we talk about great rock duels like Jimmy Page and Robert, John Lennon and Paul McCartney, Mick and Keith, I like to think of Elton John and Bernie Toppin. I thought he was wow. going to say Elton John and Axl Rose I was going to say, there. that's uh, that's 
a little bit out of left field considering it's Axl Rose. Not only is that a left field, after he says his speech, he disappears for like six years, yeah. I think. We don't hear from him again. Mm-hmm. He's gone. It's Probably the end. Not, he, he apparently had some very eclectic influences leading up to it too. Like when you start reading into it, the amount of bands that he says he was influenced by, and then you start trying to listen to that in the music and you're like, I'm not seeing a lot of this, but... But in this song, there you can hear oh, yeah. it. And the key song is Funeral for a Friend, Death Lies Bleeding. That yeah. The, the, yeah. So that's a kind of a two-part. So I went back and listened to the opener to Farewell Yellow Brick Road, and you, you can hear it in there. Like, yeah. there's definitely the GNR feel, which I never thought I'd ever say in my life. Yeah, oh, I know, right? Yeah. Okay, well, we're here. This is exhausting. It is. Man, oh man, we're going to talk about the song at some point. The song is huge. To us, it's huge, but it goes to number three. Yeah. And Frank, do you know the next two songs that were uh, number one? I can tell them to you. Please do. One is Baby, 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 oh, yes. Baby, Salt and Pepper. And yeah. another one that was pretty much number one for, I think, a few years, End of the Road. Yeah, boys to, boys yeah, to boys they to dominate. Men. Exactly. Yeah. Come so, on. See, I was right. Interestingly, the way we talk about these bands, like, oh, Guns N' Roses was a thing. It's like, don't forget, R&B was bigger. Oh, yeah. Absolutely uh, you know, was. So, yeah. But in the, in the rock charts, they were doing exceptionally well. And yeah. the fact that at that point in time, I think hip hop, I guess, encompassing an R&B, uh, were really becoming like the big thing. So the fact that November Rain actually even charted highly was kind of a... An interesting thing at that time. Well, there's the longest song by at that point, but don't worry. The top 10, yeah. Someone else is coming. Yeah. <laughs> November Rain was the longest song to ever chart right, that right, highly right. until, until Taylor All Swift. Too Well by Taylor Swift. It's definitely amazing because it's so long. Yeah. And so to think about it coexisting on the radio. And we talk about Nirvana ascending, but Nirvana never reached anywhere never, near this. No, they Even, never hit number one. Odd thing is, is obviously Nirvana being hailed as, you know, I guess like a big triumph for music at the time. Much like Guns N' Roses in a weird way, didn't have a whole lot of studio recordings. They had, well, three that were actually studio recordings and then a live album, right? So they had Bleach, then Nevermind, In Utero, and then what was it? The Unplugged, I guess. And then I think back to Guns N' Roses, and they had Appetite for Destruction, Lies, Illusion 1 and 2, which although they were two separate albums, really most people put them together as one because they were all recorded at the same time. And then The Spaghetti Incident. And that's, you know that's what I mean? a covers like album. Four, right. maybe five albums if you want to call it, but four albums of original music yeah. or three yeah, even if really you include three, yeah, the two yeah. together. And then that was it. And it's like, it's so weird to think that this was such a big an influential band that was like the biggest band on earth for a while. Like they were raking in the money, selling out tours, doing whatever, but they didn't have a whole lot in their library. Yeah. But this, uh, I guess that's what kind of makes them so special is that if they had too much, 
Yeah. They'd be like Weezer. <laughs> oh, jeez. Weezer <laughs> needs to stop releasing <laughs> <Sorry>. albums. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess you can now focus on their stuff because they stopped, and then it, it gives. It also gives the appearance of greatness because you don't have to compare. Yeah, and against. you have that nostalgia about it too, yeah. right? So let's talk through the song. Yeah, I think so. And I think it's time. So the song begins. I got this written down. You're gonna like this, Frank and Rick. So will you? Are you ready for this? It's so grand on a grand piano. But I can say that one more time if you. If I saw that. It. I saw that coming, like a about five minutes before you said it. It is a um, a bit of a flourish to begin, and I heard this rock journalist say that he was a giant a-hole for playing piano that way, and he also said he loved it, but just, just the way he played piano was enough to be hateable, but also yeah. to be amazing. Yeah, yeah. So it is, well, there's the Elton John keys, right? He's starting with piano. This is a heavy band that begins with piano. Yeah. So it's a bit deceptive. And this is Axel taking over because the band wanted to just rock. But. Yeah. According to Axel, that's one of the reasons why it took so long to record November Rain because there was resistance from Slash and Duff. Yeah. They didn't want to record ballads. They wanted rock songs. Which Slash is vehemently denied. Yeah. And said that he's full of crap and Axel has been known to embellish stories from time to time. So I don't know. But yes, he said... Slash and Duff wanted to play the the more hardcore rock songs, the straight ahead rock, and Axel wanted to go into this whole melodic, yeah, orchestral whatever. But whatever the story is, I don't think we'll ever get the right version of it because we said earlier it's a band that is just it's nothing but ego. Yeah, like and this is the peak of their hubris. Oh my right? goodness, yes. So there's, there's everything about this. Yeah. So. Everyone has their own revisionist history of what actually happened, and they're all going to tell their own versions because, in their mind, their versions is the right one. Well, even though they might all be completely different. Second album title kind of summed it up lies. Yeah. That's all it is. Everybody seems to have a different story about something. I like to think our second album we called Bill and Frank's or BNFN's Truths. BNFN's. (laughs) BNFN's. Well, because it's a Frank and it's a play on that awful word they put in that album. Unreal. So. Let's go through that first verse. When I look into your eyes, I can see a love restrained. But darling, when I hold you, don't you know I feel the same? When I look into your eyes, I can see love restrained. So he can see love is there, but it's held back. And he's saying, when I hold you, don't you know I feel the same? So is he feeling a restrained love too? Or is he talking about he feels love for her? That's not romantic at all. I can see that you're holding back. It's like, 
And because you're holding back, I'm going to hold back. Bear in mind, this, in his mind, was not meant to be a romantic song. He flat out said in an interview that the whole point of this song was basically not wanting to be a victim of unrequited love. Axel needs to put his heart on his sleeve. Just own it, buddy. Well, this is the great thing is that we know he tells different stories all the time. So who who could know? Who knows what's true? This is the great thing is no one can fact check this podcast thanks to all their differing autobiographies and their interviews, depending on where they're at in terms of their... um, That's right. Shout out to the 42 former members of Guns N' Roses for all the differing accounts. Well, I'm going to give him credit for the confusion here because he uses the word restrained and immediately follows it with hold you. Right? So to restrain someone Ah, is to kind of hold back, but he holds her and says he feels the same. So they're both together, but also apart, not willing to kind of give in, which is... I didn't pick up on that one. Well, yeah. But if, there is some heart on the sleeve. You can't help. When you're playing piano like that, you can't hold back. Yeah. You're not restraining. I think he's trying to sound tougher than he is. There's absolutely no restraint in this song. No. There's no restraint. No, there's This not. is what I love about yeah. it. It's like, don't you know I feel the same? Like, oh, no, no, no. Because Slash is like just carving up that uh, that pick ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Stanza two. Nothing lasts forever, and we both know hearts can change, and it's hard to hold a candle... In the cold November rain. Shout out Elton John, as you said, Rick. Nothing lasts forever, and we both know hearts can change. And it's hard to hold a candle in the cold November rain. I had a note on this one, which I left in my notebook at home. Is he resigned to the fact that this is a doomed love? Seems like it. Well, I mean, because Rick's desperately not wanting to tell the story of Don't Cry, right? No, oh. it's not Don't Cry. Okay. okay, okay. All right, tell... All right, so... I was just going to say, he, he continues the idea in Estranged, the third in the video trilogy, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, at some point. But that's... Part of that same interview that I was reading where he said, like, is that November Rain is about somebody not wanting to be caught in a state of unrequited love. And estranged was his follow-up to a person finally accepting that this was dead and gone and wasn't happening. Oh, frig, Axel. I know. I know. So sensitive. He needs to Can't Stop Loving You by Phil Collins. He yeah. needs something like that. That was a great song. That's a great song. I love okay, that come song. on, Axel. Yeah. <laughs> We're good. Okay, he needs a Care Bear stare here. Yeah. All right. Don't so, forget some of the songs they followed this up with, though, like "Get in the Ring" and whatever else. So, like, yeah. I'm not yeah. gonna say he's too sensitive just yet. No, no, no. We don't. You worry, <laughs> Axel. This is your one shot at Bill and Frank's Guilty Pleasures. All right. We got the cold November rain coming out. He's holding the candle. You know, he's doing a good job bringing up. Classic kind of pop rock metaphors. Like, this is a soft rock song at heart, I think. Yeah. In its own sort of way, because he's he's going with the -the over-the-top imagery. You know, because we're not going to play this whole song, because that would take up the whole entire podcast. Yeah. So, But we do have to talk through these lyrics, because that's all I know how to do. Subtlety was not his strong point, so it's pretty in your face. Yeah, which is what we kind of need here. We've been through this such a long, long time, just trying to kill the pain. Oh, yeah. Love is always coming. Love is always going. No one's really sure who's letting go today, walking away. Been 
Well, this is the Love Lost song, right? Yeah. And I scrolled to Wikipedia to look up the uh, background vocals. Kind of surprised to see the other band members are actually doing this, which I love to think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. These tough guys are going, ah. Yeah, exactly, right? But we got a couple other special players there, and there's one with a hyperlink. Shannon Hoon from Blind Melon. Yeah. And that guy, of course, shows up on other songs uh, on the album. But uh, I'm glad he came in to do some oohs and ahs. So we got uh, so this just I get just shout out to those who's I that was wonderful. Okay, because we're get we're getting there. If we could take the time to lay it on the line, I could rest my head just knowing that you were mine. Now he's kinda like he's not rapping, but he's getting close to something like it. All mine. So if you wanna love me then, darling, don't refrain. Hmm. Or I'll just end up walking in the cold November rain. So now he wants her to love him. I think he always yeah. did. Huh. He did. I, I get confused. He. I don't think he's being honest with himself. Oh, yeah. That's good, Frank. Because when you go back to that uh, that opening line, he sees love restrained. He loves her, but he's already resigned to this doomed love. Right, right, right. So it's not going to work out in his mind. So like, okay. But like he's holding out hope. It seems. Yeah, but no, but he's already he's already said like yeah, this love's not gonna let nothing last forever. He's fronting it, all yeah. right. Like this is it, like right. He's we he's not. We don't know. But we know he's not honest. But hang on, we don't know. If here. I can retract this for a second here, how many of us can say honestly, like in our pasts, you've I don't know had feelings for another person and. They sometimes appear that they do or don't, whatever. So you, there's this back and forth that happens. And yeah, maybe in your head, you kind of say, okay, you know what? This clearly isn't going to work out. But at the same time, if that person was to sit there and start showing some more genuine interest, you'd be right back in it. And I, I feel like that's kind of what's going on here. It's a little bit of a back and forth where he feels like this is going nowhere. But if there was a chance, by all means... Because he still does have those feelings, but he's understanding that she doesn't necessarily have the same ones or she's holding back on those feelings. And that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, it's, I guess cheesy lyrically in some ways, but it's it's kind of real because this is the way it works in real life. That's never happened to me. <laughs> well, okay, so you're, the, you're the anomaly. Yeah. I, knew, no, I knew you. Frank would. is open heart. This is just like, <laughs> this is, but oh, you know what? It, it's a good segue into his question. He's got to ask her a question. Do you need some time on your own? It's like, maybe we just need some time on our own. Yeah, that'll fix it. Everybody needs some time on their own. Do you, Axel, need time on your own or do you maybe. want her back? I know we got to go through a couple things because there's things about friends and stuff. Like, there's a lot going on in this song that he's working through. 
And so he brings up this whole thing about keeping an open heart, right? We have friends who are out to harm you, but if you could heal a broken heart, wouldn't time be out to charm you? Now, I, I can't go hmm. too deeply into this because I don't know what I, he's talking about. Yeah. I feel he's accusing her of not being open-hearted because he says that she's restraining her love. He wants her not to refrain in showing love. And then talks about healing a broken heart and that time could heal a broken heart. I think that's what time would be out to charm you. So when I'm reading this... I think to myself again, and I have to transport myself back to like 1991, Rick, and maybe one or the other, I'm, I'm guessing the way he's singing, it would be her. She's had somebody else that she's liked who maybe broke her heart, right? Mm-hmm. So now he's got, she's got these friends who are in her ear, who are kind of telling her not to go for, in this case, Axel. So they're out there kind of negatively impacting what could be a relationship by kind of pushing this whole like, no, don't do it, don't do it. She's clearly had her heart broken, whatever. And he's trying to say that maybe this is a harmful thing that they're doing by trying to stop this from happening, getting in her ear, making her think. But again, I could be way off base, but that's kind of the way I'm picturing it is that, you know, you got your friends. We all had our friends in our ears about anybody we ever had interest in trying to give us the positives, the negatives, whatever. And it's it's true. It can be helpful. It could be harmful. i put this out there just to kind of get us back in here. Uh, reading all these things about Axl Rose, I'm thinking these friends are the good guys in this story. Please. Can I put that out there? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Frank, you and I, uh, we gravitated towards a uh, soft rock approach to life. I think that's a really accurate... <laughs> Understatement? Uh, understatement, yes. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like enough things like, listen, Axel, you got to straighten up, man. And uh, she could do better. She could save the best for last, hopefully. That came up oh, around Oh, boy. That. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. All right. I think I think we dived enough into these lyrics. Yes. Well, and the rest well, of them start getting a little uh, well, there's repetitive. A, yeah, there's some shifts. So, yeah. But we got to get to three things. Well, yeah. Slash. Guitar one, guitar two, guitar three. Man, and this is where the song really is like really interesting because I think it takes at least, is it like four and a half minutes before the first guitar solo? something like that, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, for all my attacks on the song, it's super listenable. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. And I didn't realize Slash was like the guitar starts four and a half when the song should be ending for most songs. Yeah, exactly. And it's almost a 10 minute song. But you, it doesn't feel well, ten. Really, you back in with some. Well, some would call them solos. Some would just yeah. say breakdowns or whatever. But I mean, like Slash has three very featured guitar parts. Yeah. Throughout this song, and it, it brings you in every time the song goes to a certain point. And the neat yin to yang thing is, we know Axel. Who knows? He may have only wanted to record every single syllable. 
I think there because a story out there that he only said a syllable. It took really. <laughs> oh yeah. No, I no, made that up. Gonna, it took thirteen geez, years. No, but it was a line at a time. That he, <laughs> like, he said earlier on he wanted to record a line at a time. I have no idea with me. this one being his magnum opus, as yeah. he stated that he wanted it to be recorded so perfectly. I can only imagine what the studio was like for this. Well, the great thing is slash. This is his claim, is that most of this is improvised. Most of his solos are improvised, because that's how he rolls. Just like, you know, he's going to just do what he wants. And good for him, because he's he's locked in, and it really is on total equal footing with everything else in the song. The slash guitar is the thing. So when we say Guns N' Roses... I know we think Axl Rose, but I often think Slash equally. Like they're co-equals. You don't think about most of the other guys ever. Okay. But with this song, and we chatted about it just briefly before we started, was you have Axl Rose on the piano, you have Slash and his guitars. I think what really, really makes the song is the drumming. Yes. The drummer, Matt Sorum, is bonkers. It's really good. It's really emotive and it really sets the mood and the tone for the entire song. And I think we all know I'm all about emotion. I don't care about anything technical or anything like that. And he came over, he was the drummer for Tori Amos oh, before he joined yes. uh, Guns N' Roses. He goes from one ginger to the next. <laughs> this is where your heart song Yeah, is. exactly, right? He's gone from Cornflake Girl. I was say, he goes from <laughs> Cornflake Girl to November Rain oh, here. Man. <laughs> he gave an interview about the writing of this song and he goes in and we're, we're talking about egos here you read his take on it and he's talking like he's the most intelligent drummer or classically trained musician and he's talking all these terms to the band and they're looking at him like he has three left heads or something like that three left heads and Sorry. <laughs> yeah, can, we, like can we deep dive into that for a moment oh i think it's right there <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the article, it makes it sound like, yeah, this song was garbage until I came along. I told these guys how to play their instruments, what they needed to do. Again, band of egos. Wait, this is the drummer sure. saying this? this? Is the drummer, yeah. yeah. This is Sorum. So oh, this, yeah. oh, this Who, is again, great. had literally just joined the band prior to this album. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love that they kicked the other guy out for alcohol addiction. Like, okay. It wasn't right, the guys. whole band just yeah, yeah, alcohol yeah, I know. addiction? That's got to be bad. But <laughs> yeah. So there's another story that I read where... Axel was sat down with the drummer and made him listen to Goodbye Yellow Brick Road to hear drum yeah, fills. Yeah, 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 exactly. So yeah, Bill yeah, was yeah. like, listen, listen to this. When that shift kind of comes at the uh, towards the end of the song... Uh, I think it's at the seven minute point. Okay. And it almost sounds militaristic. Mm-hmm. The the uh, drumming, right? Yeah, yeah he does. With and it, it just, it has that big sort of, uh, like there's this grand emotion that comes along with it. And that's- And he really does build up the, yeah. gu- the guitars to the crescendo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it starts off slow and he's like 
pounding it out. And then all of a sudden when he starts hitting, that's when Slash gets into that yeah. final break at the end there. And it's, yeah. oh. Exactly. So true. Going back to these lyrics here, guys. I know you're really excited about we this. Frank, especially, he's like, please stop. It's just like, all right, we're, don't worry, I'm not going to play all this, but I just want to speak to some of these lyrics. And when your fears subside and shadows still remain, this is about like whether the love's going to work. I know this. I know that you can love me when there's no one left to blame. Also, kind of, I don't, I don't like this boyfriend talk here. So never mind the darkness. We still can find a way. Nothing lasts forever, even cold November rain. Like, we're going to get over this patch. We're going to get together. And then instead of asking about being alone, ready for this? Don't you think you need somebody? Right? So before he's asking, do we need to be alone? He says, don't you think you need somebody? And you're not the only one who needs somebody. And keeps going back to this. But it feels like a second song, which is an Elton John thing, where that song he loved had two parts. This feels like a different song. Even though it fits to the earlier parts. And that's the rest of the song, which is about everybody needs somebody. And so he is coming back to We Can't Be Alone. And there is, towards the end of the song, the the lyrics are, never mind the darkness, we can still find a way, nothing lasts forever, even cold November rain. That darkness and that bad feelings or whatever the November rain represents, he says like, nothing lasts forever, this too will pass kind of thing. Wait a second. Do you sec. know what does last forever? Is our analysis of this song. <laughs> yes, this will. Hey, I, I got a question for you. We just got there. This is a positive song. I know, right? Wait well, a that, that was the the beginning of it. It switches just like that at the end, just oh, with that goodness. one little line. I was not ready for this. I didn't come in here realizing that it was a positive song. Yeah. You know what? This Axel guy, he's if okay. Could, yeah, if I could call him Bill, as one Bill to another, yeah. listen, buddy. Good old Bill Rose. Yeah, just kind of show up to work on time. Yeah. <laughs> drink more soda water. Yeah. And just let it go, man. But wonderful. Wonderful song, this November rain. Yeah, isn't it? It's so positive. Yeah, I got questions for you. It's my big shift. 
What part of the song brings you the most joy? Oh, it's the drums. The drums. Okay, Frank drums. drums. 100%. Rick, what about you? I got to say it's it's actually Slash's three guitar parts. Yeah. I've always loved Slash's guitar playing and yeah, they kind of draw you in. Yeah. But I do agree with Frank. The drums, I think, accent those so well that I, you know, like, I don't know. If I heard one without the other, I don't know if I'd like it so much. Right, right. Agreed. I'm going to go back to the Slashes thing, too, for my, brings me the most joy. Besides the Oz, which I've brought up, but yeah. guitar solo number two. Okay. I yeah. think that's the one after, oh, don't you need some time all alone? And then he just gives her. I mean, he yeah. gives her all the time, but he gives it. It's so good. It's so good. It will... uh be the thing I keep going back to. And of course, we can't separate this from the video that we will talk yeah. about soon enough, but not too much. But um, that's what's giving me joy. What else yeah. is bringing me joy is knowing that this song is no longer such a Debbie Downer. Yeah, I know, right? Actually, you know, you could have had a happier video. Well, it was happy for a good chunk of it. It was, it all right. Ended, ended Debbie Downer. Yeah, yeah. Now, can okay. I say, just based on the final version of this, I'm having a hard time envisioning Slash really trying to stonewall this song, considering he got three very prominent featured guitar parts. Well, maybe that was the compromise. Maybe it was like, I will do it if I get three solos. Yeah, you stop playing your piano and I will start playing my guitar. Now we have something to talk about. So if you want to love me, then darling, don't refrain. Well, I just keep on walking in the cold November rain. When you hear the piano version, it's good. Like, you can hear there's a good song in there. Yeah. Kind of. But it's not great. It's not great because his voice isn't Elton John's voice. Yeah. And so they need something harder to justify it. Yeah. And it is Slash that saves it. And the drummer, who's the, um, what do you call, special teams? Matt Sorum. Yeah. All right. So, uh, yeah, he's special teams and he's bringing that in there. And then there's Izzy, but he does whatever he does. I think he walked off and said, yeah. I'm done with this I'm band. Done with this, this is yeah. stupid. Well, no, yeah. After the recording of the album, yeah. he jetted and that's when gilby clark right, right came in right i think i'd like izzy i said yeah. like he also cleaned himself up and says you can't be in a band when you've cleaned yourself up well you, you just be can't happy do it then anymore. he's part of the current incarnation of guns and roses why didn't izzy stradlin was, has rejoined oh really and yeah. duff and duff I, i'm not 100 certain about duff i know slash is back in it they got rid of buckethead finally ah oh, buckethead's not a bad dude the, the poor guy yeah it's just they both wear the same stupid hats <laughs> so so when they're going through the lines, do you need some time on your own? Don't you need some time all alone? When I re-listened to the song, it reminded me of, I was counseling this one girl that I was interested in that it's like, maybe you just need some time by yourself. Maybe you just need some time alone. 
basically to get her away from the guy that she was with. So a week later, I started a relationship with her. That was a that was a very doomed relationship. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like you you just need some time by yourself. Like you ended this thing. You just need to be alone. Like don't jump into anything right away. And a week later, I jumped in because well, sometimes rebounds can be baskets, can't they? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Here's the challenge. I'm talking to the man who gave us a three-year history of... <laughs> I think your history of the band was almost as long as the actual history of the band. But I want to talk about this video. How do we talk about this video without it being... We know it's part of a trilogy. I'm going to put this out there. We know there's a the guy, Del James, who happened to be a roadie, I think, or the road manager for the band, who was also a short story writer. And there's a story that he wrote, and it, they used it to make these videos. And it's hard to like not go deep into that. But there you have the Don't Cry video. You have Estranged at the end. Mm-hmm. And I think we all can agree Estranged is just bad. Yeah. I think it's bad all around, except for the dolphins, because of the whole um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy thing. Yeah. We want to like, dolphins are good with us. Yeah. All right, we're getting to this. The middle video, November Rain, of the trilogy or whatever. Quick summary. It's a bit kind of like four weddings and a funeral, but it's like one wedding and a funeral. But but not as funny. Unless you include some guy jumping into cake. Yeah. Rain makes a uh, plays a big part in both Four Weddings and a Funeral. Isn't that the one where it has it? Is it raining? Oh, I haven't oh, noticed your favorite line. line. Yeah. <laughs> and the amount of rain that comes down at the wedding reception is like crazy. Yeah. It's like a microburst or it's something so, like that. It's fantastic. And on top of it, Shannon Hoon is singing backing vocals and he's saying no rain, which is ironical, as my kids would say, because there was rain. Yeah. No, it's mm. not. No, it's not. Ironic. It's also, I, if I say resemble, you, I guess I can allow you to say ironical. I'm saying it because I'm still mad about resemble, so I'm trying <laughs> to get back at you, but it's no good getting back at someone who's like, yes, let's use more words like this. Yeah. Okay, so that's my quick summary of the video. What? Rick, what are you thinking? I spoke to Frank about this before we even started recording. I, I went into a deep dive. I had to watch all three in order, and I had the whole synopsis, and this is just a, a, a strange thing. Well, yeah, let's just say this much. <laughs> the director said in an interview that he's not going to tell anybody what he thinks happens because it's supposed to be open to interpretation. We know she's in a coffin where you only see half of her yeah, like- body. You can probably guess how she died. I'm not going to tell everyone because I feel... Like in the same position as a director that I'm not going to let my thoughts known either. Even though our podcast then has no raison d'etre. So we don't know, we were going to pretend we don't know what the ending was in the uh, short story. That's right. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I thought maybe half her body got crushed. Are you thinking of like Breaking Bad season four? Yeah. It's better not to think about even what any of it means, except that they spent $1.5 million on a video in, in 1990s money. Yeah. Well, that's what I was, I I wrote down just for some context on that, because it is listed as one of the most expensive music videos ever made. It's number 28 currently on the list. So in 92, 1.5 would be approximately 3.285 or so million today. Estranged was actually higher up on that list at number five. Black or white's got to be higher. Well, oddly enough, I was telling Frank, the the highest, the most expensive video on this list right now currently was Michael Jackson was Scream with Janet Jackson. Oh, yeah, because they they actually went up into space, didn't they? To no, record. No, <laughs> I don't know what they did, but it was like it was like yeah. yeah. No, they like, actually we're in a used like NASA. Type of thing. 
And I think they were using that, whatever it is, the anti-gravity plane thing that oh they do goodness. to record some scenes. Yeah. That one cost $7 million to make in 95, which is about $15.3 million today. So, that song's worth $750 to me. Yeah. That's it. That's my judgment on Scream. That's I don't like that. Song. That's, yeah. That song makes me angry. This it could have been so angry. much more. Okay, so November Rain is a good video. Yeah. Because that guy jumps into the cake. Yeah. And, and and for the listeners, they all know what happens. The guy jumps in the cake. But what I learned yesterday was that the director, who was... um Didn't want him to jump in the cake? No, it didn't want to... He didn't use the scene. He's like, ah, oh, this is ridiculous. And he didn't put it in. But, you know, despite, you know, our megalomaniac Axel doing his thing and, and me criticizing him, at least he went there and he said... He, I guess he watched every still and every scene from the video. He was there for the whole thing. He goes, hey, where's the guy jumping into the cake? And like, oh, we're not putting that in. What was the point of that guy jumping into yeah. the cake? Because it's one of Axel's friends. Right. It was, it so was uh, Steve Cottrell. Is it no, Cottrell? Rick Ratchman. Okay, because I have Steve Cottrell okay. as my, uh, my, my listing. The note that I have here is uh, the video debuted on MTV's uh, metal show Headbangers Ball. The show's host, Ricky Ratchman, is the guy diving through the wedding cake at the seven-minute mark. Huh. He and Axl Rose, I guess, were, were friends growing up, and Axl used to frequent his club uh, called, the, called the Cat House. Okay, well, we got many different stories. Yeah. GNR possible truths or lies. But either way, the guy jumping into the cake is the great part because it makes the video comedic suddenly when they're like trying so hard to make it so serious. Well, there's also the point at the wedding when... Slash forgets the ring, and you see the uh, the priest is mugging for the camera. They're just like, oh, is it, what's is going it on? Clark so, saves him with the is, pinky ring. Is it Gilby ring. Clark? Yeah. Yes. Oh, okay. Well, he looks Izzy pretty Stratton cool. wasn't in the video. Oh, right. Quite performing on the song. But, okay. Uh, and then uh, she's wearing something they call the mullet dress. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. like, yeah, very much party in the front. Oh, my goodness. A lot goodness. of legs going on there. It's ridiculous. Well, that was Stephanie Seymour, yeah. uh, Axl Rose's girlfriend at and the time. Supermodel right? at the yeah. time, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that and a he real was dressed, last name? Yeah. What was he dressed in? Like some know. sort of some French sort of colonial whatever outfit. I don't know what he was doing. Oh yeah. man, his pirate outfit. And don't cry. He's in like he's he was a soldier. Yeah. And then you have. I mean, okay, we're gonna let it go in this moment. But when Slash walks out for a smoke break, despite smoking. Well, it wasn't a smoke break. It was a guitar solo yeah. break. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, that's it. He yeah. just leaves the church. Just, yeah. High well, fives the, one of his well, bandmates and the, strolls. The wedding's out. still going on, and then well, it's a portal. Well, this is like apparently because he's in the desert now in front of a totally different church. I figured it out. It's a Lego movie. They just go to different yeah. lands, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. And he plays his guitar. And in order to get that shot, they don't have like uh, drones. They actually have a helicopter. Yeah, yeah. Well, you can see everything blowing around. And the only thing I thought about, the way everything is angled, you can tell that that church is not full size. Yeah, yeah. So no. it, to me, it reminded me of that scene from Spinal Tap where they have Stonehenge coming down from from onto the stage. And there's it's about like 18 inches tall. They actually flew in. Yeah. Yeah. That church. Yeah, yeah.
Can you imagine a better video? I don't know if you can. I think the video is itself, even though I'm not thrilled with it. I Frank? Think, I think the video, because it got so much play on uh, MTV or Much Music here in, in Canada, I think the video is part of the mythology of the, the song. We took a lot of music in by watching the videos on TV. Yeah. Because it was so big and grandiose, and there are all these different elements going on with the video that you really can't separate the song from the video. So you, I don't know if you can come up with a better no, video. No, I'm, that's, I'm sure you no. could, but then it changes the whole yeah. the whole song, right? Grandiosity yeah. of the video contributes to the song and vice versa. Yeah. Speaking of grandiosity, I didn't get to bring this up. There's a 2022 version of this song. Yes. Which is better, mm-hmm. I think, than the original. Well, because they bring in a real orchestra. And here's the crazy thing. Who thought that this wasn't Already I thought, real orchestra. I already I thought it was it was an orchestra. Yeah, the sampled music over a keyboard. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. That is a genius move and, and that, that was, he made. And that was all Axel Rose too. And that's right? early nineties to yeah. put a synth sounds that sound just like an orchestra. So I yeah. guess they're yeah. all samples and whatever. But the amount of work he must have put into yeah. that. So he's been I mean, maybe he was working since eighty eight. Mm-hmm. Who knows what he's 83. been doing. Eighty three. But I'm thinking of the Rolling Stone article where he's yeah. gonna get it right. Yeah. He's just so obsessed. And listen, I know like we malign Axel Rose because he is so very particular and he has his quirks and whatever. But yeah, you're absolutely right. To to throw this all together musically, to make that all work, that's a lot of work. He's Definitely not an untalented individual. And to kind of like, not to let him off the hook for some of the horrible things he's been accused of. I yeah. don't know what's been proven or, or things what. that have been proven that he has. Proven, yeah. yeah. But he was a pretty much a juvenile delinquent as a kid. Messed yeah. up. Yeah. But they also had him like diagnosed with psychosis at one point. Yeah. And manic depressiveness. But either way, the sort of focus that he brought to this yeah. did bring us something that has yeah. endured. Yeah. I mean, oh, absolutely. two billion views of this video yeah. on YouTube. It's the first video to be released prior to YouTube being invented to get a billion views. And now it's at two. Yeah. Now it's at two. And it's a, the oldest song that's remaining on their charts to achieve that feat. There's no song that's older than November Rain that's gotten two right. billion views on there. Yeah. Like, that's incredible in a lot of ways. And actually, it only hit that landmark earlier this year in February of right. 2023 is when it hit the 2 billion mark. So people are still watching this video. The amount of times we watch this video for this podcast does not factor into that 2 billion. Yeah, right. We brought it up to 2 billion and 10. Yeah. Oh, no, I think we're going to be making a huge shift and making someone a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> certainly not us. Yeah, no. Now, I'm trying to think about how this song could be purified in a way because Axl Rose is a difficult character. I'm trying to think of somebody with perfect hair, perfect denim shirt, and denim pants that could do this with perhaps a friend instead of doing Slash's guitar, maybe a bit of some tenor sax. Oh, yeah. It's absolutely Michael Bolton and Kenny G. Oh, my goodness. So imagine Kenny G doing three crazy sax Sax solos he'd blow our minds oh absolutely did you notice the joke i'd made a joke there because a saxophone is a is is a wind instrument we established together now that michael bolton of course could sing this yeah and there isn't a moment the world's destroyed but the world's actually brought back together i think so peace and harmony it's a healing song well here's the thing it's just not believable that 
he could ever see a love restrained because he's Michael. Oh no, Bolton. yeah, there's no restraint with Michael. I Bolton. mean, we already got yeah. through because time, love, and tenderness is out. So whatever problems were happening with yeah. lovers and friends, and yeah. uh, how can I live without you? Yeah, that's how am I supposed how, to? That's how you fix it. They're back together. Yeah. Do we have a mixtape to bring to the table? I am fascinated at the song choices that are coming here. So. Uh, Rick, do you, where do you want to be in this uh, pecking order? Do you want to? I'll go ahead. Yeah. All right. Let's. I can this. give you mine. All right. But just to get that kind of same vibe, I suppose you could say, I'm thinking like Chicago. Hard to say. I'm sorry. Okay. And of yep. course, you know, Axel's influence, Elton John, Tiny Dancer, kind of gives you a feeling. But then when I started thinking of the scope of it, like the way it actually makes me feel when I'm listening to it, you know, I, I guess the sweeping melodies and the and you know whatever. I started thinking that, and, and these may be some weird choices, but Fall to Pieces by Velvet Revolver, also featuring members of Guns N' Roses. Heaven Coming Down by The Tea Party, which is kind of an odd one, I guess, but I like the way it would flow with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Black by Pearl Jam, which I guess is an easy one, but then here's, a, here's another left field, is Soma by Smashing Pumpkins. All right. Some people may have to look up some of those songs, but either way, those, those say, are my choices. I don't choices. think I know Soma by the Smashing Pumpkins. Which album was that? It's also, it's, um, I want to say that it was um, off of Siamese Dream, but now I started thinking, is it from Melancholy? I think it's Siamese Dream, though. Yep, Siamese Dream. Frank, yeah, because I have so many. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So my theme that I went with was months. Okay. Because it's November rain, right? Right, right. That's good. So, I like it. Yeah. All right. These songs have zero feel. There's no connection feel-wise outside of to the November Rain here. Worst mixtape just... ever is about to come out. We oh, got yeah. some it's, it's unknown fantastic. Smashing Pumpkin song. Yeah. Now we got these, these. But these are great songs, though. All right. I'm starting with December 1963, Oh What a Night by The Four Seasons. Wow, mm. September by Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yep. Slow It Down a Little, 3rd of June, Corey Hart. Beauty. Beauty song. Gone Till November by Wyclef Jean. And then we finish it all off with September Girls by Big Star. Whoa, all right. Okay, I like that thing. That's throwing me off. All right, but I'm going to stick to what I was going to go with. I'm going to throw in Funeral for a Friend, Love Lies Bleeding, because that's the Elton John song, of course. Mm -hmm. And I want to pick songs that had the same type of feel or grandiosity. So we have Layla. By Derek and the Dominoes. They referred to this as their Layla song, right. too. Right, mm-hmm. because it has almost a sense that there's several songs mixed yeah. in one. And then I went with Right Now by Van Halen. Nice. Because there's piano. Yeah, yeah. And they're, yeah. They're, there's something grand going on there, but they did hold back, I think yeah. wisely, as well. Then, oh boy, there's big choices to make. So, I'm going to go with Paranoid Android by Radiohead. Oh, wow. Because that's tune. so over the top Yeah, yeah. To it's me. a great song. It is. But also, like, exhausting. And then, Battle to Hell, Meatloaf. Nice. Mm. I didn't, there's other Meatloaf choices, but this one is super exhausting. It is honestly, yeah, it is such a fantastic big song, that song. Yeah. I love it. Should I end with Purple Rain or just stop? I like it. I think Purple Rain works. Then I shall end with Purple Rain. <laughs> <laughs> there is a, a real-life application of this song when it comes to that funeral scene in the video, Axl Rose performed this song, the piano version of it, at Lisa Marie Presley's funeral because they were friends and she made him promise that in the event of her death, that he would perform that song at her funeral. So that's 
life imitating art at this point, right? And I went to a wedding a few years ago where they played November Rain as the, I think, the walk-in song for oh, the bride. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. Hmm. Oh, well, no. That was something. Yeah, that's... Uh, was she wearing a, a mullet dress? No. <laughs> that's a that's a bold move. Yeah, it was. It was. I want to thank Rick for bringing this song to the table. It was a challenge to record this because there was so much to say and so many rabbit holes, or should I say, snake pits to fall into. Hey, I'm on fire tonight. That's what you need is fire when you're dealing with snakes. Or it keeps you warm in that cold November rain. (laughs) Very good. And thank you. As we always like to say to our dear listeners, or as they say in uh, Guns N' Roses language, darling listeners. And so, if you want to love Bill and Frank's guilt-free pleasures, then darlings don't refrain. Just put your earbuds in as you're walking in the cold November rain. <laughs>